Hey everybody, this is Richard from Night to the Frail, and I just wanted to let everybody know as a warning that there is some things uh, going on personally for me, as well as Jesse at the moment, so podcast may be sporadic for the near future. Now recording. The following podcast may have adult humor, swear words, innuendos of a adult nature, making fun of me. That's a given. Everybody looks <laughs> forward to that. But just know that you have been warned. Hello, my name is Jim. I'm from Knights of the Braille, and today I'm going to be reviewing the tabletop role-playing game. Zero. I'm going to cover what the game is about, how it works, how it plays at the table, and is it accessible? What is this game about? The world has ended from a great war and the Red Plague, so the world has double ended here. In the aftermath, you play as a mutant surviving in communities known as Arcs. Your mutant has powers like telepathy, maybe they've grown wings, they might have pyrokinesis. Imagine X-Men, but in Mad Max. The arc you live in, in the game, is designed by the players at the table, so it could be an abandoned military base, a beached cruise ship, a rundown amusement park. It's something from before which you've made home. And as you play through the game, you get to add to it through projects and narrative declarations. Um, the projects themselves have mechanical benefits which add to your arc because it features its own character sheet. And then the narrative stuff is just for flavour, which adds to your ongoing story, to your home. As well, players make a bunch of NPCs for the arc, which is a lot of fun. They create buddies and they create rivals, which all work as great fuel for you as the GM, because you can use these buddies and rivals to initiate quests or narrative moments to impact the characters. It's a lot of fun. I feel there could be more criteria for creating these rivals and buddies to improve their narrative utility. But, you know, it, as it is, as a game master, you can kind of invent those questions for players. But if you're newer to tabletop role playing games, you might not get off on the right foot with them. Outside of your arc, it's pretty standard post-apocalyptic goodness there's raiders mutated creatures cults and anything else post-apocalyptic which you might expect if you're a fan of mad max or fallout then you've probably got some pretty good ideas to start from as a base the world itself acts as a kind of hex crawl for the sake of accessibility when i was running the game we used a, a google sheet as our map it worked pretty well what are the mechanics? This game uses a D6 dice pool system. 
So dice pools are made up of your character's attributes, your skills, and any equipment you might have. So for example, if you have a strength modifier from your attributes of four, a, uh, a skill for fight of two, and then say a spiked baseball bat, which gives you a plus one bonus die, then that's a total of four strength, two fight, one from your baseball bat for a total of 7d6 that you roll. In this game, sixes are successes. So you roll one six and succeed, roll multiple sixes and you can do extra cool shit like dealing more damage or narratively just doing some cool stuff. If you fail a roll, which means you don't roll any sixes, you can re-roll, which is called pushing it. So yeah, you can uh, you can push it. You can push it real good. But pushing it has has benefits and a penalty. The penalty when pushing a roll is that for every one on your attribute die, the attribute is reduced by that many points. So for example, if you push a roll and two of your attribute dice roll up as ones, then that attribute is temporarily reduced by two because you rolled two ones. Uh, it gives a bit of stakes to the situation. Your attributes being lowered means that you roll less dice in your next test, makes things more difficult, pushes you to rest and use resources to try and regain his attributes. The benefit of pushing a roll is that you earn mutant points. So for every roll you push, you gain one mutant point. So what's a mutant point? A mutant point is used to activate your mutations. So it can help you to breathe fire if that's your mutation. And there's no test involved in activating your mutation. You just spend a mutant point and you can use it immediately, which makes your mutations feel as powerful as they should be and contrasts your skill test roles. Whereas this is a certain outcome that you may have. Most of the mutations that you have for your character, um, you have a list of uses for them. So you can get pretty creative with them uh, outside of the uses listed. It ends up turning into, you know, most spells in fantasy games, players debating with you for fucking hours about how they can use Mage Hand, you know, that sort of thing. But it's a lot of fun the mutations can get very creative and they're pretty bog standard mutations as explained before so you know maybe telepathy or telekinesis is your mutation one mechanic i enjoy a lot as the game master is rot rot is what mutants call radiation in this world as you explore the zone you accumulate rot each time you return to your arc, your home that the players created together, you scrub down and you remove rot. But when you're removing that rot, you roll a number of D6 equal to the points of rot that you have accumulated. And for every result of one, that point of rot will become permanent. So if you roll 66 and one of those results in a one, then you gain one point permanent rot so what does that permanent rot do well um it kills you eventually so 
as you develop rot, it can affect you out in the zone. Every time you gain a point, you have to roll d6. For every one, your strength is reduced by that amount. If your strength reaches zero, that's it. You're, you're done. Your strength is essentially your health. You die. I think that's a pretty cool mechanic. Resembles the, the radiation of the zone. Means that players have to get more equipment to combat it. It's not detailed very clearly in the rule book. And I found that while I was running the game, I initially didn't utilize rot the way that I should have. And it should get more intense as you head further out into the zone. I think if I ran the game again, I definitely utilize rot a lot more to have players think carefully before venturing into places based on the rot level there. I love the balance of the, the mutations against the uh, destructive presence of the rot though. So the dice mechanics are fun and, and people who enjoy clear structure for tests will really feel at home here because you're rolling the dice pool, sixes are successes. I'd describe it somewhere between Dungeon World and a traditional dice pool system because a lot of the skill descriptions feel a lot like moves from Dungeon World, which I'll explain a bit more shortly because um, it could give more detail in reality. If you're into moves in Dungeon World, this isn't as clear. But it's, it's venturing on there, it's somewhere in between and it, it feels a little bit lost. My main criticism is that they could provide greater detail there. I mean, it's a medium crunch game, so it needs to be clear in its descriptions of mechanics. And the rulebook can be a little vague at times. It's fine to be vague, but be consistent. How does it play? As I said, this game is mid-crunch, which means there's a healthy amount of calculation, which doesn't require a degree in mathematics to comprehend like some games do. But it's very specific in when to make tests and what those tests should be for. Game masters can still interpret skills or call for tests as they see appropriate once they get the hang of the skills and how the game works but the rulebook itself is very much A to B. Um, as someone who enjoys pulling sessions out of my ass every now and then I, I did find it a little bit constricting in that regard that it's very structured in how you explore. Um, for example when you're traveling the zone which is what they call the wasteland here in the game the game lists specific tests which should be made and all of them are based on your wits attribute pretty much. I think maybe there's one or two that isn't, but most of them are based on your wits attribute. And travel is a large part of the game. Most of the game, when you're not in the arc, you're exploring the zone. And I feel they could have given every skill a purpose in travel or provided a, a general guideline for more flexibility. You know, I, I get that characters with certain skills should shine when exploring. You know, the stalker, which is the game's equivalent of a ranger, should definitely be at the forefront of any traveling endeavor because that's their whole point and that, that player should feel strong then. I, I enjoy games that encourage the specific careers to shine when they should. But, you know, why can't the fast-talking fixer class inspire the rest of the party to 
you know, travel on with motivational pep talks during their travels. I mean, it seems like a missed opportunity or, or maybe something you might want to gently homebrew in the game without breaking it entirely. I'd much rather if they had these rules and guidelines in the rule book so that there wasn't a risk of breaking the game by adjusting it, which I'm always a bit scared of in games like this, because this game does feel very much calculated down to almost a T in, in terms of balance in that way. So yeah, I'd really like it if they added um, more utilities for skills during travel as it's such a huge part of the game. But, but then again, you could argue that when the players are in the arc or social situations, careers like the fixer will shine there, whereas the stalker um, will be in the background at that point and vice versa for travel. But yeah, I, I think given the amount of travel involved, it is justified that each career should have a purpose in that situation. That being said, with all this travel, the game definitely works well for a West Marcher style game. The player's arc is their hub and they go into the zone each session to explore. Uh, imagine the zone as a dungeon crawl with smaller dungeons within those dungeons. Dungeons, dungeons, dungeons. I, I used a Google Sheet, as I said, to communicate with my players the layout of the zone and it worked pretty well. Um, if I ran this game again, which I indefinitely tend to do, I'll take greater advantage of the West Marchers style approach um, for a more open table next time and to put less pressure on myself to uh, produce an ongoing narrative, maybe figure out um, a better use for buddies and rivals arc. Something I found lacklustre were the tools to create encounters in the zone in this game. The setting definitely provides opportunities for creative encounters, but it's best to work without the book as the book itself has limited spark tables for creating these encounters. The world is, is general enough. As I said earlier, it's pretty open. You can make it your own for sure. If you want to do Fallout, you can do Fallout. You want to do Mad Max, you can do Mad Max. But in total honesty, it's unique enough that you can take the elements that are already there and really make it something that's your own. The last thing I'd comment on is, is character progress. It uses XP and it works fine, but it's not intended for a long-term campaign. If you are intending on running a long-term campaign with this, be stingy with XP. Hold back on it, really plan out advancement of characters for the long term in reality this game is meant for shorter campaigns like a lot of free league games they're intended for a few months rather than a few years so keep that in mind if you intend to run this game how is the accessibility so how accessible is mutant year zero's pdf uh, well, it isn't, um, but the fact that I made it work for over a year to run the game speaks volumes about the quality of the game itself. I was able to use OCR to get around the lack of accessibility and our usual tricks of exporting the PDFs as a text document would definitely work too. Um, it's just frustrating how, how 
inaccessible the PDF really is. Like if you were to take a screen readers to the PDF, it's absolute garbage. Uh, not good at all. But as I say, I made it work because I really enjoyed the content of the game. And I think we can all speak to that where stuff hasn't been accessible, but we pushed past it anyway. There's a dice bot for this game on Discord, which uses slash commands, which is fine if you're comfortable with slash commands. If you're not fine with slash commands, I, I mean, they are accessible in this case, but um, some of the players at my table prefer to roll their dice pools just using a regular dice bot like Avray, uh, and it worked fine. In general, the dice pool system mechanics require looking up more information, so as screen reader users get used to what information is in the game and where to locate it, it can be a little slow going at first, but um, you know, you get used to it, you learn your character over time, locate information more quickly and roll the dice in, in a way that works for you. In general, the game is not accessible. This would not be something I would recommend to folks in the Knights of the Braille community, but if you really like post-apocalyptic stuff and it sounds fun to do low-budget X-Men in the wasteland, then you should maybe consider looking at this game. You can make it work if you really want it to. In conclusion, I really like Mutant Year Zero. It's unique. I'm a big fan of the Fallout universe um, and Mad Max. And I feel that this world is better than those. Um, it's not hyper-focused on a single aesthetic, so it allows you to branch out and, and pull things together in a way that works for you and feels good for the way that you run your game at the table. People who, who enjoy post-apocalyptic worlds will enjoy this game a lot, guaranteed. I know I'll be running it again sometime in the future for sure. Thanks for listening. If you want more Knights of the Braille, you can visit our website, www.knightsofthebraille.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Bye-bye. This episode is brought to you by the Knights of the Braille and is made possible through the support of viewers such as you. Please remember to like, share and subscribe to get all of the latest information and episodes. Thank you.